Good day to you and welcome to the KCAST podcast. I'm Chris Eckenroth. Do you remember the commercial? I've fallen and I can't get up. Of course you remember that commercial. You can't get it out of your mind and your memory. But have you ever fallen and couldn't get up? Man, I have fallen so many times. I remember my neighbors, Jason and Jeff, had this rope swing tied to this huge tree out in their backyard. We would climb up into the Y the of the tree and then get a hold of the rope, put our foot in the bottom knot of the rope, and swing out. We would swing so far out and so high, probably 15, 20 feet in the air, it felt like you were flying until the day I was. The rope broke. And just about at the highest point, it broke, and I went sailing across the yard and landed hard on the ground. Had a bit of a concussion, a broken wrist, because I had fallen. I fell many times, but another time was when I went out jogging. Yeah, that's right. I tripped and I fell just out jogging. I'd gone down the road and and hit one of those invisible stumps. In other words, nothing. Just kind of scuffed my feet. I tripped and I fell there uh, on the road and they just kind of tarred and chipped it, if you know what I'm talking about. And so I had gravel in the palms of my hands. My knees were bleeding and I got up and limped home. Bit broken. I had broken my wrist because I had fallen. I was so embarrassed that I had fallen and I was passing a neighbor and the neighbor was a, is a marathon runner. I didn't want him to think like, man, this guy can't even run a little bit. He has to walk home. And so I, I jogged when I went in front of his house, bleeding and broken because I didn't want him or anybody else to know that I had fallen. Here's a commonality among all of us. We all have fallen. In fact, we all fall. Here's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, for all, it's pretty inclusive, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The way that's written in the Greek there, fall short, means it's a continuous action that we continue to fall. One of the things I love about Jesus is that people who fell loved and were attracted to come into the presence of Jesus. When you read in Matthew chapter 11, you read that one of the worst things, as I turn my pages in the Bible here, one of the worst things they could think about to say about Jesus was that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's actually Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. He says this about himself, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom, he says, is justified by her children. The worst thing they could say about him was when they made this observation, Look, he spends time with sinners. He's a friend to them. Oftentimes, Jesus went after them, But he would just be in a certain place and they would come to him. Interesting. I love this little quote found in Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace, on page 11. He says this, The worse a person felt about herself, himself, the more likely they saw Jesus as a refuge. 
He then asks this question, has the church lost this gift? In other words, when people understand clearly that they have fallen, they have messed up, there is sin and there is brokenness in their lives, where do they run? Where do they run? Is one of the answers or one of the things that comes to their minds, your mind, my mind, is to run to Jesus' church. Do we see his church, his community, his followers as a place of refuge where we can gather together to find help in our time of need from him? What is your church like? Would you describe it? Would they describe it as a place of refuge? Oftentimes we will think, you know what, this is a safe place. I mean, this is anybody can come here. But are we communicating that? Are we intentional about the things we do say, the systems and structures we set up, that it is a place of refuge, not just a pleasant thought in our minds and hearts? Of course, we want it to be that. But wanting it is not enough. You and I must be prayerfully intentional about making churches, these spaces, a place of refuge for any and all of us who need it. Because sometimes it's going to be them. Other times it's going to be you. Even as a church member. And oftentimes, because it's not a place of refuge, we put on that happy Sabbath face, happy church face, and we pretend that everything is good, fine, and dandy, and it's not. And we can't be real, we can't be authentic, and we can't be transparent, because it's not a safe space. So what can we do? What should we do to make sure that our churches, these gatherings, are places of refuge? Here's just a couple ideas. First of all, make sure that there is training. Make sure that your church, your people who come on a regular basis understand. As you begin to affect and and work on the DNA, the mindset of your church, make sure that everyone is on the same page that this is not a program. Did you catch that? That the church is not a program. It's much more than that. It is a ministry under the head of Jesus Christ. And that we are gathering to create a space to provide refuge. For what? Where all can come as they are to experience Jesus. So you begin to talk about, pray about, work through the idea of this is not a program. Because when it's a program, we have to stick to what the bulletin says. No. This is a holy space where all can come as they are. So you know what? If something is happening that morning, you know what? We're going we're gonna to kind of step away from whatever the bulletin says, and we're going to go with what the Lord is calling us to go with. We're going to stop and we're going to pray. We're going to stop and we're going to listen to somebody. We're going to leave the church and go find that person who needs help and minister to them in this moment because this is not a program. We are on a mission for Jesus Christ. So communicating that, discussing that, fleshing that out among your leadership. This is not a program. Second thing, train your group to engage. You'll have a welcome team. Of course, you'll have a greeter team. But each and every participant or each and every person who is there is called to participate. They are called to greet. They are called to intentionally seek out as if on a mission someone to shake hands with. Look for that person you don't know yet 
and shake their hand, high five, hug, do whatever it is you do, but engage them and look them in the eyes that no one would be able to get into your worship space without having somebody engage them, look them in the eye and learn their name. It's an art. I believe Jesus did it. He had this thing about names. We won't get into that. But to learn someone's name. Keep a little notepad with you. Write it down if you can't remember names. If you say, I'm bad at remembering names. Well, then do something about that. Learn the people's names who are coming to worship with you. Train your group to engage. Number three Get contact information. You meet somebody new, they're just visiting, they're checking your church out, get contact information. Get their phone number, get their email, and then invite them to some type of group meal that you all do. Maybe, Grace Allen, you meet at Moe's on Mondays. Mo Mondays. Or at Salsaritas for Salsarita Sundays, College Dale Post-Collegiate. Invite them to come have a burrito and hang out with the group. But get contact information and invite them to some type of social setting that they can come and just build a relationship with the group. Number four, clearly communicate your small group opportunities. Have it uh, on a screen, have it in a handout, have it on your website where people can see, ah, here's all the options that are available for me to engage in a small group setting and have a variety, stuff for parents, stuff for, stuff for singles, stuff for men, for women, for youth, um, maybe for those struggling with substance addiction and getting away from that, but communicate clearly all the different opportunities there are for people to engage in a small group setting. And number five, make sure the gospel is presented each and every time you gather. Do not assume that people already know that because the people who have already heard it need to hear it again. Romans 3.23, and fall short. Continuous action. We continue to fall short and need to keep looking and taking a hold of Jesus. So the people who have been coming a long time, they need to hear it. The people who are there for the very first time, oh man, they need to hear it. They need to know that you are all about it and they have come. They have found a refuge, a safe place that is going to point them to the source of your help, their help, our help, Jesus. It's Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 that says this, that he is able to save. It's talking about Jesus. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to him through Jesus. Because Jesus always lives to make intercession for you, for me, for them. It's true. They fall. It's true. We fall. We continue to fall. But then a couple chapters later in Romans 6.23, it says this, but the gift of God, gospel, gospel truth, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the question. Has your church lost that gift? Man, oh man, the worse a person felt about themselves, they would run to Jesus. You think about Zacchaeus. He just wanted to lay eyes on Jesus. He knew his life was not right. He knew he was broken. 
and he just wanted to see Jesus. He couldn't. He was small. People wouldn't make way for him. So he climbed a tree. If I could just see Jesus. And Jesus came by and he stopped. He said, I'm going to your house. Zacchaeus rejoiced and his life was changed. Zacchaeus and countless others known as sinners saw Jesus as a refuge. Has your church, has my church, has the church lost that gift? A space, a place of refuge where all can come as they are to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the KCAST podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.